Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. What's up, everybody? Happy motherfucking Friday! <laughs> we think. Is it happy? Are we still happy? It's January. It's cold. Restrictions are still here for now, and we will get to that in just a sec. But I hope everyone's doing okay. Find the good side of things today, friends. Are you happy? I Yeah, I, you know what? I was thinking the other day as I was driving in, like, it wasn't the snowstorm day, but it's the day after, and I'm thinking, okay, it's really cold, whatever. But all those things in mind, yeah, like... You know, I count myself lucky. Mm-hmm. I, do, I really do. Kids are back in school. I'm grateful for that. I'm thankful for that. I really wanted that. I'm excited about that. It's been good, by the way. It's been really good uh, the, having my daughter back in school. And yeah, considering it's sh- like shitty, I'm trying to find the bright side of things. I was playing outside in the snow the other day and I was like, you know what? It's okay. It's going to be all right, guys. We'll make it. We will. Are you? Yeah. How are you doing? <laughs> I mean, I'm. Go- <laughs> I have a lot of stuff to be thankful for too, and yeah, it's yeah. kind of weird that we have to dig deep to figure out what we're actually thankful for. But they say it's important to do that, right? Sure. The problem is we live in Doug Ford's Ontario. Right, right, right. And and uh, <laughs> okay, why don't we just let Doug do the talk in here? I, I'm going to take you back to yesterday, the news conference. I'm sure most people watched it, but in case you didn't, here's Doug in the setup. We might interrupt from time to time just to weigh in, mm-hmm. but by and large, let. Let's hear from the premier of the most populous province in the country. Well, good morning. Mm-hmm. On January 5th, our government put in place additional public health measures to blunt the transmission of the Omicron variant. At the time, we were seeing very concerning trends emerge. It was not hard to see those trends emerge, by the way. You were told before Christmas that those would be the trends if you wanted to go with it. But anyway. Cases were rising steeply. Percent positivity nearly hit 40%. Ten times higher than when Omicron was first identified in Ontario. Hospitalizations were doubling every seven days. The data was clear. We needed to act. Is he high or drunk or what's the deal? Can he not hear himself? Because he's mispronouncing a lot of words here. We were talking off the top about how are people doing. I I wonder. I do worry. And you say what you want about the guy. I mean, obviously, if you listen to the podcast, you know that we don't have kind words all the time to say about him. But But I kind of do worry about him. I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of worry. It's really hard. And I'm not sure if he checks social media, for example. I know he looks at the polls and maybe that's all he looks at as a politician. But if you're looking at social media, if you're looking at comments, if you're looking at memes about yourself... You can't feel good about yourself. So I do kind of worry about him. I'll be honest. Today, we know it was the right decision. Percent positivity has now dropped to 15.9%. New admissions to hospitals are starting to slow. And patients are spending far less time in the hospital when admitted. How can you say percent positivity has dropped when we barely test anybody? Are they just doing the aggregate of the tests they do do because the large, vast majority of those are done in hospitals where it's most likely that you'll find a COVID patient? I don't understand that. And our health system workforce is stabilizing with more people coming back to work than calling in sick. As I said at the time, while necessary, the additional measures were always intended to be time limited. They were one more tool to blunt the spread of Omicron and protect our hospitals. 
The evidence tells us that these measures are working. And How can he possibly say that when hospitalizations are higher now than they were? I get that we can see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, but even the health minister said this is going to drag on all the way through February with these crazy hospital numbers. Before I play a little more of Doug, because I do want to go over some of these restrictions that he announced yesterday. It wasn't a reopening announcement at all. No. You know, he said earlier in the week, we're going to have some good news. Well, the good news turned into positive news and then turned into that hot mess that was yesterday. How many times have we said it? When you try and please everybody, you end up pissing off everybody. Doug has got to pick a lane, and frankly, this up-the-middle bullshit is not working out for anybody. People are really, really mad, and they have every right to be mad. Yeah, I mean, there's people who will say, reopen everything completely, 100%, let's fucking go. But at least we have this. Like, at least we have this. I know it sucks. Some businesses, honestly, can't handle more than the 50% anyway based on staff shortages and all the other things. But there's other businesses that are the complete opposite, that are like, we can definitely make a ton more money if you allow us to. So I do feel for those businesses. I really do. I've heard from a lot of businesses that say it's not even worth it. We're not reopening on the 31st because we can't make money at 50% capacity. At 50%, everything we sell is going to go to overhead. The other 50% likely would have been our profit, and we just can't do that. So they're not even going to reopen because it it would cost them money to reopen. Then what a shame that is. I feel like it. Do you feel like maybe based on the announcement they made, they could they could have maybe changed it a little bit and at least made a sure kept some at 50, but kept others at like a 75 or something like that to make it worth their while. Or did they do you think they even bothered to think about that? No, I don't think they did. I I think that uh, Dr. Moore there must have made his recommendations and then I'm sure it got negotiated and they had to figure out who the stakeholders are. And when I say stakeholders, I don't necessarily mean who will be impacted. I mean who they want to piss off the least. Mm -hmm. There's certain very powerful lobbyists who are right in the ear of certain politicians and and they've done very well at keeping their industries open throughout this whole thing. Clearly none of them own strip joints. (laughs) (laughs) I I just... uh, I'm disappointed because there's another way. There's absolutely another way. And I don't know how Doug with a straight face can look into the camera and say, you know, we're taking the advice of our chief medical officers and we're looking at the experiences around the world and and our lived experience here in Ontario. I mean, how many more people need to come out and say no more lockdowns? These aren't working. Stop doing this shit. It really is time to look at the example of you don't have to like Florida. You don't have to like Texas. But let's look at our friends, our cousins over in the United Kingdom who are doing it right. Well, they just they just said it. I mean, let's see if they did it right. I think it's a little too early. I think you're jumping the gun when you say they're doing it right. But, I, maybe you'd agree with what they're doing as a it's a test. I think of it as a test. And I'm happy that we way over here looking at that test. But it's a lot to go mask full mask off, even though knowing that we're adults, we can all choose our own thing. There's going to be a bunch of dipshits mixed in the crowd. There always is. What are you concerned about? Are you concerned about hospital capacity? Are you worried about people That's dying? Only- are you worried about people getting sick? The hospital capacity has been the only thing I've cared about. And I've said that from the beginning. That's the only thing I'm looking at. The only thing I care about is what are our hospitals look like? How are they doing? How come they haven't? I mean, and don't get me wrong. Government needs to do more and should have done more. They've had two fucking years to get it done. But that's my only concern. That really is it. 15 million people in Ontario were just shy of that. And 568 COVID patients in the ICU, half of which aren't even there for COVID, is going to bring the entire infrastructure to its knees. Uh, Grand River Hospital in Kitchener last night 
over capacity, put out a plea. Please, God, anybody who has recently retired, who's trained in healthcare, if you can get to the hospital, please come help us right now. We need help. Mm-hmm. That's how bad the hospitals in Ontario have been managed. And let's not lose sight of what we mentioned last week. This is a hospital problem. It's not a COVID problem. It's not a regulation problem. It's not a restriction problem. It's a hospital problem. It started decades ago, and it hasn't been fixed. And Doug's had a couple of years since the start of the pandemic with an unlimited budget to spend whatever he needs to spend to get these hospitals ready for this wave, and he didn't do it. We are not ready for this wave. If we are shutting down tens of thousands of businesses and throwing people out of work, over 568 COVID patients, frankly... What are we doing? What is this system that we have? What is the deal with a multi-billion dollar system? The single most expensive thing in a Canadian budget is healthcare. How are we, for two more weekends, completely stuck with nothing to do? And then once we can have something to do, businesses will be restricted until March. It won't be until March that we get back to where we were at the beginning of December. When Doug likes to play it out as, oh, just a couple weeks, you know, time limited, targeted. No, no. Where we were at the beginning of December, we won't be back there until the middle of March. Mm -hmm. That's what's going on here. And all of this is to cover up for the fact that we have a massive problem in our hospitals. We do. But how does that make it okay to go, let's, are you still for going mask off? Let's go. Well, like, you, how can you look at those numbers and say what you just said about a local hospital here, St. Mary's, who's pleading, like you said, pleading, and a lot of them are, need help, need help. And that's the government's fault. Don't get me wrong. They're, they, they did it wrong. They did it wrong. But how can you still be okay with, hey, masks off, let's fucking go here, when you know that that's happening? Because to me, that's all I care about, and that's all I'm looking at. First, I, these restrictions are silly. The ones that are going to come into play still are restrictions. Don't don't get it twisted. And I feel bad for all of those businesses. And I feel like there's a way to make it work. But when you look at the hospitals and see that, I, I still don't, I think you're talking about one way and a complete opposite where it could get real bad. Yeah, I don't see it that way. I think we're at the end of Delta now. And we've, we've had a lot of deaths in the last couple of days. We have, but they're all attributed to, as far as we know, Delta. The government hasn't tell, told us, and they don't even have the tests to back it up. We have to assume because the symptoms were common with Delta. We're into the Omicron wave. This is a, a very mild variant, and very few people should get sick. We have 90% vaccinated. My point here, and, and I don't... You're the one that always says Delta's still there. Why are they ignoring the fact that Delta's still around? And be, I do believe that. Because they either recovered or died. Look just, at the we deaths. We just burn them all off? Well, look at it. How, how else can you explain it? If Omicron is taking over Delta, and they've been saying that since December. In fact, they stopped talking about Delta in December and said... Which is massive. If you have a runny nose, just assume it's Omicron. So I think a lot of people did assume that this was all Omicron. Mm, no, we don't know that. Uh, based on how sick some of these people were, we should probably assume that they had Delta. The Omicron ones are the ones that we're not particularly worried about. And with that in mind, that's why countries like the UK have gone ahead and said, we can move forward. Now, I do think the UK is, uh, I'm curious to see how it goes, just as as someone who's lived through this. I don't know how their mask thing's going to work out, but taking the restrictions off businesses was absolutely right because the businesses 
weren't contributing to the spread to begin with. The mask thing was such a, it's a political move there. It's a, it's nothing but a political move. So that's why I hope that, you know, a ton of people don't die because of that. But I totally agree with you on the businesses. Like that, that that's where I stand. If I had, if I had any say, it would be businesses full on, but you're masking and you're distancing and you're putting all those measures in place that you've done such a good job at, by the way, over the last couple of years of pivoting and making things work. That's great. Open up everything, but masks stay on for now. It's too soon. Uh, and I would be okay with it if that were the decision. Yeah, we're going to keep the masks in place for a little while longer. And Oh, Vax Passport's out, though. Like, you and I both agree on that one. Vax Passport's out. Businesses open. Masks on, though. Yeah, we're going to get to the Vax Passport's coming up. But first off, the health minister, the one in charge of the hospitals, which are crumbling right now, came out and said this. Thank you, Premier, and good morning, everyone. As the Premier mentioned, earlier this month we made the very difficult but necessary decision to put in place additional public health measures to prevent our hospitals from becoming overwhelmed. At that time, our government announced that these measures would be in place for at least 21 days, subject to trends in public health and health system indicators. We are now approaching the end of that timeline. And thanks to the sacrifices of Ontarians and unwavering efforts of our healthcare workers, these measures are starting to have an impact. There are some positive signs that we may be reaching the peak of the Omicron wave in Ontario. This is the contradiction. They said it themselves. We can't stop Omicron. We can't stop Omicron. When they closed this stuff down, it was optics. It was putting lipstick on a pig. There was no real relevant reason to close down these businesses. None whatsoever, because that's not where the transmission was coming from. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid, unfortunately, and I know parents don't want to hear it. There's another wave coming of new cases. And hopefully they'll all be asymptomatic, but the schools are open and that's where the spread came from. That's where the spread always came from. That's the reality. A loyal listener, uh, Jacqueline and I were having a conversation this morning. She says, you know what dawned on me? And I didn't think about it either until she mentioned it. Is that the, the, they say these restrictions will be in place until mid-March. Yeah. That's March break. We all know how this goes. Mm -hmm. Don't worry, parents. And first of all, I think March break, that's a great excuse for them to push that back. That's a great excuse. Oh, you know what? March break with March break looming, guys. We're not going to actually have it happen by mid-March. That is literally March break is mid-March. I don't trust that if they do that, that the schools will continue back again after that break. And I also don't trust that they'll put that in place and, and keep it there knowing that March break is right there. And that's usually a good excuse to shut more shit down. Yeah. And I mean, they did it last year, too. I mean, these people are diabolical. I've said it before, I've said it again, or I'll say it again, and if you don't believe me, just continue listening. This government, Doug Ford, doesn't care about you. He doesn't care. He will shut you down, and it won't even cross his mind. He will just do it, and he will do whatever he thinks can get him reelected. And listen to this one here, Christine Elliott. Let's hear more of this nonsense. However, we still need to remain humble and cautious. That's why, as we prepare to safely lift public health measures, we will continue with a gradual and cautious manner that has always guided our decisions. In the absence of concerning trends in public health and healthcare indicators, Ontario will follow a cautious and phased approach with 21 days between each step. Starting with January 31, 2022, Ontario will begin the process of gradually easing restrictions in effect under the modified Step 2 of the Roadmap to Reopen. 
we don't even know which roadmap we're using at this point. There's been so many. There's been two weeks between steps, three weeks between steps, and the three weeks doesn't even make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. You guys were the ones who shortened the isolation period to five days. Even lower if you can get two negative rapid tests more than 24 hours apart. We know that people are not in hospital for 10 days to two weeks anymore. So wherever this three weeks thing came from is completely ridiculous. It's not that way in reality. If you're waiting to see what the effects are from people who catch it now in two weeks, you're wait or sorry, three weeks, you're waiting far too long. It doesn't take nearly that long anymore because apparently this thing it transmits quick and you recover quick and people that go into the hospital are not in the hospital for very long. Are we trending down, by the way? Is that official? Are, are, they, are they officially saying that or they're too cautious to even say we're trending downward? Well, it's pretty close to 10 a.m., which means I'll be getting an email soon with the numbers. Uh, there were two days in a row prior to today, the numbers we're going down mm-hmm. the hospitalizations. Okay. All right. But Christine herself is saying they're going to go up in, in February. So I don't know what the hell these guys are thinking, but here's a little bit more of Chrissy. This includes increasing social gathering limits to 10 people indoors for social gatherings and 25 people outdoors. Capacity limits will be increased or maintained at 50% for a number of indoor public settings where proof of vaccination is required, such as restaurants, retail, gyms, and religious services. Spectator areas at sporting events, concert venues, and theaters will be permitted to operate at 50% of the usual seating capacity or 500 people, whichever is less. That's a very arbitrary number. Hey, listen, I don't really care too much about the Leafs and Raptors and putting thousands of fans in there. But again, there's a smarter way that we can do this. We don't have to restrict uh, Scotiabank Arena in the exact same way that we would restrict, say, the Kitchener Auditorium. Mm -hmm. There's a huge difference in a building that can hold 17,000 or a building that can hold 9,000. That's just a reality. Why they're all capped at 500 is more arbitrary nonsense from this government because they don't want to do the hard work. They don't. They never have. When this started, how many times did we have to ask them dumb questions like, well, why can you do this, but you can't do that? Why did you say 10 people max can be in a restaurant? Just last year, only 10 people in a restaurant, whether it's the size of the keg or whether it's your corner pub that has three bar stools and two tables. It doesn't make sense, and they don't want to do the work. They're lazy. They don't want to explain anything. It's just arbitrary shit. And that's what gets people so angry, though. Why don't you take the time to explain it? There's people asking questions. Answer them. Have an FAQ. Have something. Because I feel like there is so much missing. Like, why? Tell me the details. Did you actually sit down and consider this, that, the next thing? Or did you just make this up as you went along and hope for the best? One of the things that's shut down right now is kids' sports. And this is primetime hockey season. If you've got your kid in house league playing hockey on the weekends, or maybe they're in rep, or they're doing drills and practices, and there's lots of other sports that are being played too, all shut down. This is how much this government cares about you and your family. They didn't even mention it yesterday. Yeah, that's, that was the number one question I saw. Like, but wait, what about my kids? <laughs> the government that claims they're here for you and they're here for your family and they're thinking about you and oh, you're on top of their minds and they can't sleep thinking about how bad things are for you and your family. Didn't even mention your family. I feel like it's just- not even in the news release. We had to ask them, what about kids sports? And it was a one line statement. Yeah, they can resume January 31st too. 
That's Thanks how little for, they care. Yeah. Thanks. I feel like they should have like a people, just like a real person people panel that they go to and really just catch the vibe because I feel like they're not catching these vibes and I don't understand how you can not catch them seeing the outrage that happens around you all the time. Have a panel you go to. That's the people you ask. Hey, what are we missing here? What's going on? Real people panel. Talk to me and sign the NDA. I don't give a shit if there's NDAs involved. I don't care, but you tell them how it is. Like this is, this is what people want. Don't be fucking stupid. You want to get elected? A, B, and C. Those are the three things people are worried about. Address them and don't make it out to seem like we don't notice these things. We do. Be honest about it. Thank you. And you're absolutely right. This government is tone deaf in every way and they're incapable of reading the room. It's remarkable to me how many times they have gotten this so wrong and how unwilling they are to look at other alternatives. But let's hear a little bit more of Doug. There was a Q&A, and one question, it started off being a really good question because I think thousands of people in Ontario are wondering about it, but then the question didn't get asked properly in the end. Listen to this. Before we take questions from the phone, we'll move to the floor first. Hi, Premier. Matthew Bingley, Global News. I. Last October, you presented a plan that had uh, a very ambitious opening plan that saw at the end of March uh, the, the loosening of restrictions to the point where you were saying that masking would no longer be necessary and vaccine passports would no longer be necessary. Uh, on, under this plan, it, it appears that March 14th, vax passports are still necessary at that point. And uh, there, there's, I didn't see a mention on masking. I, my question to both you and Dr. Moore is, do you think that you were overly ambitious with that original plan? And do you see a point where uh, in, in cold weather, uh, where we see cases rise, such as next fall, that these steps would probably be necessary, the Vax passport and masking to continue? Okay, before we actually play Doug's answer for this, he was so close. Matthew, you were so close. He's great, by the way. He does a great job. You can see him on Global News every night at 6. The question was going to be, what happened to that? We were supposed to be done. If there was no Omicron, apparently we wouldn't have Vax passports right now and the masking rules would be ending soon. That's what they basically said, yeah. That's what they, that was written that was down. That was the plan. Yeah. And I get that Omicron came in and they weren't ready for it, but does that mean that entire plan got thrown out? Because there's no end date on these current restrictions. None whatsoever. Even though they like to keep telling you time sensitive or time limited, they didn't put an end date on this. They didn't say anything about Vax passports and they didn't say anything about masks. Nothing. That tells me they're getting ready for something in the spring. What else could it be? Or are we just completely changing the plan? Because if we did, I'd kind of like to know more about why you changed that plan. Or timing wise. Um, do you want to make it to be very superhero like when you come out of nowhere in April and say, you're all free, everybody. Pandemic's Vax, over. Vax passport's over. Maybe masks still in place, but I would like to look like a superhero because we're just a couple months out from the election. So enjoy me. I'm the best. Look at me go. Look at my government. We're the best. That's what I think it is. Here's Doug's answer. Well, uh, first of all, back in October, we didn't see the, the spread of uh, Omicron. And, and we, we saw the, the spread taking off at the beginning of January. That changed the game. And I'm 100% uh, uh, confident that that was the right just a correction it was taking off in december 
it was in December that this was taking off. This is why we had to have all those news conferences Correct. in the two weeks before Christmas. So for him to say this started in January when Not he put true. the restrictions in place, that's just a lie. That's another lie. Decision when they gave us the data. And, uh, you know, there, there was three things that we, we had to focus on. Uh, for, first of all, we, we saw the, the, the spread. The positivity rate was 40%. Those are staggering numbers. Four out of 10 people were uh, uh, getting Omicron. Now we, we see it drop down to 15.9%, so that, that's positive. We, we saw the cases of the hospitalizations, where they, they, were, they were doubling every single week. Now we're seeing that ease. And another big, big factor was the absenteeism of our uh, healthcare workers, but not just our healthcare workers, uh, other uh, businesses right across the province. So we're, we're seeing a positive trend. We're uh, still very cautious. And I always say we aren't out of the woods yet, but we're taking a cautious approach to move forward. And uh, I'm, I'm confident uh, that we're going to uh, move forward cautiously and uh, get things back to normal as quickly as possible. Have they, have they put up any numbers at all to say that the restaurants were causing the spread? Is there any numbers to say that the gyms were fueling this spread? It just doesn't make sense. Everyone else has figured out how to make this work. South Africa had Omicron worse than any other place on Earth, and they're hardly vaccinated at all. And they don't have a problem. They're back to normal now, more or less. What are we doing here in Ontario? We have 90% vaccinated, and whether you're vaccinated or not, you can't go to a restaurant, you can't go to a gym, you can't do yeah. anything. I understand being careful as we continue, like we're still in, we're still middle of the winter, unfortunately. So I understand being cautious in that area, but that's why, again, I say masks probably do help. I haven't caught a cold in like a couple years. Mm-hmm. I don't know about everybody else, but like the masks, I think, tend to be working. And yes, of course, we're seeing less people, we are distanced, all those other things. But you can, you can make it work, I think, here. They're just so worried about it. They're... They don't want the, the pictures of field hospitals set up in parking lots at Sunnybrook. They don't want images on the news of high death counts and stuff like that. And, and I get that. Nobody does. But we still don't know that that's what would happen, first off. I mean, let's keep in mind, they warned us 600 cases by New Year's Eve. Today is January 21st, and we're still not at 600 cases. We have a hospital system for this entire vast, massive province which is crumbling with 568 COVID patients Mm -hmm. in the ICU. It's staggering to me. And frankly, for them to close down the restaurants and throw all those people out of work with zero consideration for them and how they're going to make it work, just throw them out, shut them down. Oh, we took decisive action. Did you do the right action, Doug? Have you called all these people into the science table and said, okay, guys, we need a new plan? Because their first thing, these are lockdown enthusiasts. When you get to Peter Uni and all those other people on there, the first thing they want is shut down, shut down, shut down, close things down. They still get yeah. their, their six-figure salary, yeah. but they want everybody else out of work. When they say that, Doug, did you say to them, no, that's yeah. not even an option. Yeah. Forget that. We're not closing more businesses. You tell me how we can make this work with businesses open. You tell me what those restaurants have to do, and I can go to those restaurants and say, listen, we can shut you down or install this plexiglass or set up your tables in this way mm-hmm. or set up a goddamn fan beside every table. I don't know. I'm pretty sure those restaurants like you can eat and be like JLo at the same time. It would be awesome. <laughs> well, like the three times before this have done everything they were asked to do. And again, back to the restaurants. That's just the example that comes to my mind because huh, surprise, I don't go to the gym, but I understand that people do. 
They were another one that went way out of their way. And some went further than others. Yeah. Everybody's going to be saddled with a 50% restriction. And by the way, that 50% is on two of some of the biggest money-making days of the year in the industry. They will be at 50% capacity for Valentine's weekend and for Super Bowl. Sure. And, and that's sad. But I mean, some of these restaurants and gyms, they've installed the plexiglass. They've got the barriers. They've got the distancing. They've got the everything that they have to do. Yeah. Others haven't really done anything, but they're all allowed to be open at 50%. And it's crazy to me that it's so arbitrary. When you're talking about people like a Peter Uni, for example, who looks at numbers and that's what they are. They're, they're number crunchers. I feel like in life, we know that there's, there's numbers and data. And over here, there's emotions and people's livelihoods and the way people communicate and all these other things. Mental health. When you, when you weigh them, to me... It's just as important to make sure people are covered in that area emotionally, um, financially, the ability to live as it is these numbers over here on this data that they're looking at that Peter Uni only gives a fuck about someone like him as well. There's many of them, by the way, just using him as an example. That's all you're looking at. And if you're just looking at numbers, sure, you could live life like that. Oh, no, numbers are too high. Shut everything down so we can drop this number. Great. But on the other end of that are people, families, people hurting a lot, a community. And that's the part that pisses me off is they don't seem to weigh those and look at both. They're looking at one thing. And that is crazy to me. Yeah. You have to have personable people in there if you want to get any results like we're hoping for. And you need people that don't have such great contempt for the public. I mean, we all saw that interview. The stop moaning. Quit your bitching. Who cares if it's 25%? Yeah, the business owners care, Peter. You know, they, they have actual bills and, and responsibilities and, mm-hmm. and investment and their livelihood and their career, all of these things on the line. It may be easy for you to say, shut them down. We don't need to shut them down. You need to figure out a way to make it work for everybody. Because in case you haven't noticed, another big problem in the hospitals right now seems to be the amount of crime that's going on. People are getting desperate. There are carjackings and robberies and stabbings and gangs being formed and this that and the other thing is all happening right now and we'll be stuck with that long after COVID's gone this is getting bad guys there's a lot more to consider here than just the hospitals and don't get me wrong I understand the hospital situation and I almost feel bad saying open it up knowing how bad it is in the hospitals and how hard our healthcare workers are working. I totally understand that. And you guys got screwed. And so far, they haven't even stepped up and given you the raise that you keep asking for. <laughs> that you deserve. That's They that, haven't even done that. That's what I mean. And that's the only thing that I look at. And that's the one thing that we should all be careful about. And that's why I like mask to me, all the things. But you can still have make everybody happy enough by opening these businesses a little bit more to fuller capacity. Masks, though. Distance, though. Go ahead and find people if you want. Like, I don't give a shit. Bring more bylaw officers out if people are really, you know, filling their restaurants to the tit. But allow them to have a little more freedom so that people can have a livelihood. It's funny because we've talked about it a few times. I made the joke. I call him Dr. Foot in his mouth. Dr. Kieran Moore did it again. The science community, the ones who love these lockdowns and stuff, when we got rid of Dr. David Williams, when he stepped down to make room for Dr. Kieran Moore, I thought... This isn't going to be any better. But the science people loved him. Like, oh, look at this guy. Here's a guy who fucking gets it. Blah, blah, blah. Now they've turned on him. Now he's persona non grata on both sides. It's fucked up. 
But let's hear a little bit of Dr. Moore yesterday in this news conference at Queen's Park. Thanks, Rob. So uh, just in particular, it's not one uh, number that we're monitoring. Uh, it is a series uh, of data points. Uh, as the Premier announced, uh, the percentage of tests that are positive is on the decline uh, at 15 percent. So that is one uh, indicator we're following very closely. As well, the ability to care for Ontarians in the intensive care unit setting, uh, as well as in the hospital. Uh, thank you to all the healthcare workers that continue to provide care. We're at 100% capacity for the medical and surgical beds, uh, but uh, we, we are providing care for COVID patients uh, in uh, the right place at the right time. The other metric is the number of outbreaks uh, in uh, long-term care facilities in particular because uh, patients have to move uh, eventually from the acute care sector back into long-term care or uh, from long-term care back into the acute care sector. So those are some of the metrics that we're following um, uh, as well as the ability to care for individuals in the health sector and the, and the Premier already um, mentioned the number of people that are uh, not in the workplace because they've um, called in sick. Um, we, we're seeing improvement in, in those metrics and they're plateauing um, in terms of the hospital use. We anticipate by the 31st that there will be ongoing improvements, uh, but February will be difficult as well. Uh, we absolutely anticipate the need to uh, have continued ICU capacity for, for patients uh, and hence uh, the Premier's call to continue to get immunized, to continue to come forward for the third doses is, uh, will be important. Well, that's a okay, non-starter. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to cut that off because yeah. that shit's got to end. This hardcore pressure that yeah, yeah. Uh, don't even doctor did more. He, now here's another thing I saw circulating. So please clarify: Did they not allow for any elective surgeries still? What's going on there? Because I know there's a lot of concern, and I understand that concern because elective surgeries it might sound like it's not serious can lead to drastic, horrible things for people if they are unable to get them. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's the other thing. I mean, I, I mentioned the crime. We know that that's a problem. I can tell you that because I read the news every morning. Then on top of that, we've got an opioid addiction crisis like we've never seen before. And then there's the healthcare aspect. And I don't mean the COVID healthcare. I mean the all the time, every other day of our lives healthcare. The amount of people that can't get in for their screenings, for their biopsies, for all sorts of shit that can save lives. We've prioritized Omicron over them. You have cancer? No, yeah. well, sorry. Nothing we can do for you right now because Omicron is here. Yeah. Think about how ludicrous that is. So bad. It's so bad. That disappoints me. And I saw a couple of really heartbreaking uh, stories from people regarding that, that believe that if they had had loved ones over the past couple of years, by the way, as they've, you know, oh, allowed them to continue, then shut it down again, then allowed it to continue, then shut it down again. I mean, what about those lives? Are you calculating that? Are you calculating those people? You know, you should consider everything. And I just feel like they're not. Before I get to the restrictions, let's just quickly listen to one more segment from Doug... Ford. Yes, thank you, Doctor. You were mentioning that everyone with COVID is getting the care they need, but a, a lot of people with uh, needing cancer and other surgeries and heart procedures and whatnot are are still on this this uh, pause. When will you lift that so that hospitals can get more back back to normal? And when do you think, under the timelines for reopening, that you'll be able to get back to? Um, broader PCR testing than we're having now, which uh, mostly limited to healthcare workers and people at high risk. Doug walked away from the podium at this point and threw it to Christine Elliott. So let's hear from the health minister, because that's a very good question. What about these people that are really, really in need mm -hmm. of their whatever it is that they happen to need, but can't get it right now because Doug can only focus on Omicron? 
Well, it's very unfortunate that uh, we had to uh, provide Directive 2 to uh, pause non-emergent, non-urgent surgeries. If people do have a life-threatening condition, of course, they will still receive the care that they need. But we mm. know that many people are upset and frustrated at having their surgeries pushed off yet again. Uh, we want to get back on track with them as soon as we can. But that, as you know, uh, both hospitalizations and admissions to ICU are lagging indicators. So we don't expect the peak of the uh, uh, admissions to ICU to happen until uh, about mid-February, early first, second week of February. Listen to this. Didn't Dr. Moore just minutes ago say end of January we should start to see them declining? And she just said they'll peak in the middle of February? Yeah. It'll still be bad, he says, though. Oh, it'll still be bad. I think that's why he did it, to cover anybody, whatever anybody else might say. Yeah, oh, they've got a sound bite ready for anything. Yeah. You can't throw it back at us because we just said every possibility. Bingo. It's political. It's all very political. It's just so shady. To, I, I'm honestly surprised. I guess I'm not surprised. You know, I don't even think I want to play any more of this. Yeah. I, I'm just disgusted. It's Friday. Let's try to liven it up a little bit here, these Bucktards ruin our day. We should mention, by the way, are we going to switch gears here? Not yet. I just okay. want to say that January 31st oh, at yeah. 12.01, yeah. restaurants, bars, and other food or drink establishments that do not have dance facilities. <laughs> okay, so how does that work if you are a bar that does employ um, musicians at nighttime and there used to be dancing? Is that Does that just mean you can still operate, just no dancing? Basically, no dancing. Okay. You can't even... But they can get... still operate, right? Yeah. I mean, okay, good, good. It's wide open for people to take advantage of it if they want to, and they will. Some will. Uh, retailers, including grocery stores and pharmacies, shopping malls, non-spectator areas of sports and recreational facilities and gyms, meeting and event spaces, recreational amenities, amusement parks, including water parks... Museums, galleries, aquariums, zoos, and other attractions, casinos, bingo halls, and other gaming establishments, religious service rites or ceremonies. Okay. Can allow spectator areas of facilities such as sporting events, concert venues, and theaters to operate at 50% seated capacity or 500 people, whichever is less. All the other businesses that I just mentioned, 50%. 50% capacity. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, can we just talk about those contradictions again for a second before we move on? One of the things that people have really fixated on is movie theaters. So theaters will be allowed to open, but they can't sell concessions. No pop, no popcorn. So this is the kind of arbitrary nonsense that makes people think these guys don't know what they're doing. And don't tell, take it from me. This isn't Scott Fox saying Doug doesn't know what he's doing. I, I am saying it, but I'm not saying it here. This is other people who can look at that plain as day and say, so wait a second. I can go into a movie, and I can sit down and watch that movie, but I can't have any popcorn or drinks because I would have to take my mask off. But I can go to the restaurant across the parking lot mm -hmm. and eat and drink with my mm -hmm. mask off, mm -hmm. even though we're seated in both, both settings. Yeah, yeah. And school, lunches, you sit down, you eat. Well, this is another thing. Schools are having indoor dining every day. Yeah. Like 30 and, people in one room. Yeah, and... <laughs> You know, and, and in a lot of those cases, by the way, they don't encourage the kids to speak to one another, which is sad all in its own, by the way. It's fucking terrible. Like, I, I, I don't like that. We're but an I, embarrassment. It's embarrassing, right? We're an embarrassment like, here in Ontario. And it's I, bad. I know some, some teachers listening will tell you, you know, we just, you know, we let it happen just as long as they're not, it's not too close contact. Good. Fine. Great. That's a reasonable compromise. I think so too. But what, where's the reasonable compromise for the theaters in this case? And I say that because I truly do believe that's going to make a difference for how much money they make. Case in point, the last time they did this, because before they shut down, this was a restriction for those that don't know, was concessions were gone. 
I had a conversation with friends like, oh, you're going to go see this movie with the kids? Yeah, cool. Oh, we can't have concessions. Forget it. They didn't go at all. They didn't spend money at the theater at all. Like that's loss in revenue because of those choices. Why don't you make it so that you have you can't talk? I wouldn't mind that in a movie theater anytime. Right. D- shut your mouth. Eat your food. Keep to yourself. Distance properly in the theater. Why can't we just let that be a thing? And don't speak during a movie. Don't speak unless it's some kind of an emergency. I think that would have been fine, but here we are. But again, this is the this this is how lazy Doug and Christine and Dr. Moore are. Okay, guys. The solution is simple. We just shut it down. And then when we reopen it, only 50%, no food. Like, do you guys hear yourselves? Do you hear how stupid that sounds? Yeah. When you can go across yeah. the parking lot to the restaurant and do exactly what you just forbid in this place? I don't Why wouldn't you just do the work and say, okay, you want to shut down theaters, doctor, lockdown enthusiast? No problem. The answer is no. We're absolutely not doing that for any business. You tell me how it can be done safely. And if you tell me that the only safe way to do it is to have people in every other row, three seats in between, then that's what we'll do. But they can have popcorn and pop. And again, we're- Or whatever. Like, there's got to be a solution here to just arbitrarily close it. Well- It doesn't make sense. And again, where's the spread, right? Where's the where's the data on the spread from the theaters for well, you to even come up with that conclusion? Exactly. Where is it? Popcorn was not spreading no, Omicron. fuck. No, it did. The kernels, the flu in the air. Everybody got sick. It happened, okay? You open a bag of M&Ms, fuck, everyone got sick. That's how it happened. It's not happening that way. Stop it. They're, it. they're just so lost in chasing their tail and fighting this imaginary enemy. And I'm not saying COVID's imaginary. I'm saying they're trying to fight an enemy that they cannot beat that we aren't even really sure is that much of a threat to begin with. And they're shutting down businesses and killing people and crime is going through the roof. There's people who can't get the medical treatments they need. All of that. And just keep in mind one simple fact. It's all because they didn't do the work in the hospitals. If we had hospital capacity like America has, and we should, we're an extremely wealthy nation with an extremely well-funded healthcare system. If they had just done what they had to do originally, none of this would be happening. And I do want to ask you quickly about the Vax passports because you had an interesting theory. I assumed that when they didn't include an end date for any of this, when they initially said Vax passports would be gone in the middle of January, and now there is no end date on that, I thought, well, there's the plan. They're just going to keep them in place forever, I guess. You think that they're going to save that as a big, holy shit, look at us before the election. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me because yeah. they are very motivated by their prospects of getting reelected. People do tend to have a short memory, Scott. That is true. We know that. And when you look at history, it tends to be that way, right? They have a short memory. They think, hey, a month ago, this fucking guy did this and I'm so happy. You know what? I'll give him a chance. I think that's a Hail Mary for Doug if that happens because I think that there's too much that's happened to make us forget. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the options that we have... And then you look at the fact that he could do that and make majority of people, maybe not everybody, including some people in his own science table and whatnot, happy by doing that. Why would you not? Why would you not toss up that Hail Mary like a month, month and a half before the election? I guess. I mean, if that's his only play, I suppose. But I mean, we're on to him. Everybody should be on to him. Everybody should be able to see what this guy is doing. Listen, when he comes out there and says, oh, don't worry, I'm a businessman. I understand how business works. Uh, no, no, I don't think you do, Doug. Your business never got shut down. We, we talked about that yesterday. When he comes out and says, I care about the kids. I'm thinking about the kids. No, he's not. He closed schools more than any other place on earth. 
When he says, I'm thinking about um, uh, the safety in schools, I, I truly believe the schools are safe. Then why did you keep shutting them down? When he says he, he cares about your family, if he did, he would have included your kids' sports yesterday in the announcement. It just needed to be one line. But he didn't even mention it because it wasn't important to him. It wasn't on his mind. If you really think that he cares, I'd love for you to show me how. Because it's certainly not being demonstrated. And don't show us old Doug. We know. We know We're old Doug. We're very familiar with him. Old Doug very. was great. This is just not the same Doug. It's not. And frankly, until he comes to his senses, until he has a, a, a brain in his head and a set of balls in his sack, until he's got those two things and he can go to these doctors and say, stop coming to me and telling me to close businesses down. Because I'm telling you, we're not doing that again, ever. You tell me what they have to do to be safe. That's the only thing I want to hear from you people right now. Because frankly, the amount of times that I've already shut these people down, it's inhumane. And I'm not doing it again. But the fact that he did this one, and apparently he thought about it for 30 seconds, it kind of tells me, Kat, that... If COVID is still around next year, because COVID is going to go away. I don't want to talk about it. In the next uh, eight weeks or so, COVID will really start dying down as we start getting vitamin D back in our systems and start getting more active in the warmer weathers here. We saw this cycle twice now. It dies down in the warmer weather, but it will likely come back again. And next August, we're going to start talking about, are the schools safe again? We're going to have that conversation again. When that happens... If there is another new variant that comes out of left field, history has told us Doug Ford will shut you down again. This isn't the end, everybody. We're going to have COVID next year in all likelihood, and Doug is going to lock us down again. And then you wonder what's your best bet. Where where do you go in June if you think that that's going to happen? Well, if you know that that's going to happen even. Is everybody, are we safe with any of them? Are we safe with any of them? Sorry, I just want to play one more question. Hi, Premier. Good morning. Premier, you said at the beginning of the month that restaurants, gyms, and movie theaters were closing to protect hospitals. Can you then tell us today why restaurants, gyms, and movies are reopening before elective surgery is resuming? Well, I'll just repeat what I uh, said earlier on, uh, Richard. Uh, there was three areas of focus. Uh, number one is when we, we saw the uh, hospitalizations double every single week. Uh, we saw the positivity rate go right up to 40%. Now we've seen it drop down to 15.9%. And everyone saw the absenteeism uh, in, in your own workplace. Not to mention... The- First off, the absenteeism in your workplace has zero to do with the hospitals. We have people that are down here. It has no impact on the hospitals at all. I don't know why he's even talking about it. Uh, the healthcare sector, you know, and we're, we're doing everything we can to make sure we... Uh, bolster the the healthcare system. Uh, keep in keep in mind, folks. I, I, I can go back a little bit here. The Liberal government fired 1,600 nurses. Our healthcare system was not in good shape uh, when we took office. Since then, we've hired over 6,700 healthcare workers. We're going to be bringing in another 6,000 in March. That seems misleading to me. Was there really 6,000 unemployed nurses that were that were just waiting for a job to open up? Because I don't think that that's accurate. Uh, I couldn't tell you what the number is, but I know there was a lot if you're, if you're talking about those who, yeah, there, I mean, there was a lot. I don't know about the number, though. 
march. We're putting billions and billions of dollars uh, into the healthcare system. We want to make sure that we're prepared for any future pandemic. We've put in billions, tens of billions of dollars into infrastructure and building new hospitals right across this uh, province, and we're going to continue to invest in our health care. But we can't do it alone. No province can do it alone. Uh, since I've been elected, we've been on the federal government for the CHT, the Canadian Health Transfers. We are paying, as Ontarians, 78% uh, of the cost, uh, the federal government, and it's not just this federal government, it's prior federal governments, I don't care if it's conservative or liberal, uh, they're pitching in 22%. That's unacceptable. Every single premier is in line with making sure that the federal government pays their fair share of, of health care. And it's not one-time funding that we're looking for. We need continuous funding, non-stop, until we can hire more health care workers, until we can take care of our nurses, until we can continue uh, bringing in new technology and, and building new hospitals. But I can tell you every single premier is in line on this. Uh, we're going to have a meeting today with all the premiers. Of course. Wait, Now's well. the time to do it. Go to the prime minister and say, listen, we got a crisis here. We need more money. I mean, whether or not they do actually need more money or they need to spend their money a little more smartly or prioritize things, there's a lot of different ways it can go. In fact, I believe Mr. Ford was the one who got elected on a promise to do a line item budget audit and figure out value for money. Has, has that really happened? Can you tell me that the hospitals are running at peak efficiency, Doug? Did you even do that? Mm, that was a little past the bucky to me, that answer. That was a really very past the bucky. I didn't like it. And again, if you want to think that this isn't political, why is he taking shots at, at the former government? That was four years ago. Hmm. And, and granted, this has been going for years. This is an ongoing problem. To his point, he still had two years of pandemic and two years to prepare for it. So don't tell me it's not political when he uses the news conference yesterday to take shots at the opposition. It's crazy. Uh, Doug, you have a record now. And frankly, the record's not very good. And you're down to only a few months to right the wrongs that you've created here. And, and when you look at whether it be crime, the opioid crisis, the amount of people that can't get health care that they need, the fact that Omicron is still going, the fact that businesses are still closed, and the economy is in shambles right now. What, do you have a plan? Because frankly, you either need to show one or step aside and let somebody else run the show, <laughs> which would probably be the best bet for everybody. Yeah, which won't happen, but it's a nice You don't song. think so? No. You said you think he's feeling it. He looks like he, he's feeling yeah, it. Yeah, but I don't think that that means that he will admit any defeat. Doesn't mean you'll admit defeat. Oh, it's not admitting defeat, Doug. No. It's been a long three and a half years. Just say, ah, I've had enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't. I, I gave all I have to give. I'm going to go back to running my business. I don't think so. I don't think so either. But you never know. Stranger things have happened. I'll tell you, though, if I were a member of the, which I'm not, but if I were a member of the New Democratic Party of Ontario or the Liberal Party of Ontario, I'd be having some pretty serious discussions right now. When they can look at the polls and see that they're trailing right now, that's got to be a little embarrassing. When they can look at the government's approval on mm -hmm. just about any topic that matters, it's below 20% on every single one of them satisfaction. But the incumbent is still in the lead. That should tell you, Ontarians that you want to vote for you don't like the options they've got. Can they switch? There's time to switch this, right? I mean, I don't know how it works, but I'm looking at that exact same thing right now. I'm going, who do I vote for, though? Well, I, I'm at a loss. I, I think that when it comes to Andrea, for example, she's had a lot of chances to try and win this for her party and hasn't done it yet. 
Who's waiting in the wings? I don't know. But if you guys were ever going to make a change and make a serious play to get into government, now's the time. Sorry, Andrea. You're great. I've enjoyed our conversations over the years, but you had your shot. You got to step aside. Stephen Del Duca? I get that it's really wonky how political parties elect their leaders, but this isn't working out for you guys. If you want to win, if you want to lock, if you want to slam dunk, maybe you should revisit that decision. Mm -hmm. Maybe somebody should pull Steve aside and say, hey, listen, you're a nice guy. You won fair and square. But for the greater good, you should probably step aside and let's get somebody in here who knows what they're doing. Yeah. And who people will like. And that they will like. Likeable. Let's get someone with a steady mind that actually knows what's happening. That's not anchored to Kathleen Wynn's reputation. And Steve is. I'm sorry. That's just reality. Have yourselves a great weekend, everybody. Dave wasn't on today because, I don't know, actually. Why wasn't Dave here? Is he's he just got, late? He's got a lot of stuff on the go right now. So he, he was a little too busy, unfortunately, to join us. But he'll join us again. Fridays are usually a really fun podcast. So sorry we had to bother you with Doug. <laughs> but we'll we'll get back on track next week. We'll have fun on Monday. Well, listen, now that this shit is out of the way, and now that we know, and, and nothing's going to change. Doug's a very stubborn individual. Uh, until... The 31st, there's not really a lot to talk about. So I'm hoping to press reset and get into some other shit for a couple of weeks before the pandemonium begins on the 31st. And I got to watch the Bills game this weekend. So we'll be talking about that Monday, too. Go football. Have a great weekend, guys. A reporter named Tori Yorgi showed just how dangerous breaking news can be. I just got hit by a car, but I'm okay. I just got hit by a car, but I'm well, okay, Tim. That's the first um, okay. TV, I actually got hit by a car in college, too, just like that. Wow. I am so glad I'm okay. Weirdly, it was the same guy. As the hitter, same car. She's been hunting for a while. <laughs> if she doesn't get employee of the month, then nobody should ever. Hey, I heard that uh, police in Canada are looking for a man who allegedly stole an $8,000 guitar by hiding it in his pants. The first giveaway, guitar-shaped pants. (laughs) Amazon announced that this year it's opening its own clothing store called Amazon Style. Even crazier, Abercrombie & Fitch is going to start launching people into space. Isn't that amazing? The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.